Following is a class given by His Holiness Jayapataka Swami Maharaj on October 18, 1982. The class begins with a reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 11th Canto, Chapter 3, Verse 36. Neither the mind nor the faculties of speech, sight, intelligence, the life, air, or any of the senses are capable of penetrating that supreme truth. Any more than small sparks can affect the original fire from which they are generated. Not even the authoritative language of the Vedas can perfectly describe the supreme truth, since the Vedas themselves disclaim the possibility that the truth can be expressed by words. But though through indirect reference, the Vedic sound does serve as evidence of the supreme truth, since without the existence of that supreme truth, the various restrictions found in the Vedas would have no ultimate purpose. Translation. But you cannot see me with your present eyes, therefore I give you divine eyes with which you can behold my mystic opulence. Similarly, Srimad Bhagavatam describes many incidents in which the supreme absolute truth revealed himself to his devotee as in the histories of Talad Maharaj, Dhruva Maharaj, Sritu Maharaj, Kartama Muni, and the Pandavas and the Gopis. Therefore, the Vedic assertions that the absolute truth is beyond the power of the eyes refer to those who have not received transcendental eyes by the mercy of the personality of Godhead. But the Lord's own transcendental senses, which are the source of our limited senses, are confirmed in this truthy, as in the following statements from the Kina Upanishad. Yadavata Buditang Yenavak Abudate Tat Eva Brahmatang Vidam Yak Idang Upasate Brahman the absolute should be understood to be that which cannot be ascertained by the material power of speech. Speech itself is described by that absolute truth by that supreme truth. By the statement Yenavaga Budjate, our power of speech is expressed by the absolute truth. It is clearly expressed that the Absolute Truth has his own transcendental senses. Therefore, he is called Rishi Kesha. Srila Narada Muni has stated, Rishi Kena, Rishi Kesha, Sevanang Bhakti Uchite. Our senses cannot approach the Absolute Truth by their own power. But when engaged in loving devotional service to satisfy the Lord of the senses, our limited senses must become connected with the Lord's unlimited senses. And thus the Lord's mercy can be understood. Srimadvacharya has quoted the following statement from the Brahmataka. Ananda nidle, ananda nedri shananda, itiukte lokata param, pratibhati najabhati, yatavadarsanangina. Translation. The transcendental bliss of the absolute truth cannot be compared to the ordinary happiness of the material world. Unquote. Similarly, in the Vedanta Sutra, the Absolute Truth is described as Anandamoya, or full of bliss. According to Srila Vishwanatham, Chakravarti Thakur, in this verse, Sri Pipalayana, 
is more or less describing the impersonal feature of the Absolute Truth. The nine Yogendas were themselves devotees of the personal feature of the Lord. So King Nimi asked his questions about the different features of the Absolute Truth to clarify that the personality of Godhead is the source of all the variegated aspects of the Advaya Gant, or transcendental reality. This is also expressed by the following statements in Sruti. I am quite inquiring about that Supreme Person revealed in the Upanishad, unquote. If the Absolute Truth were actually inaccessible by words, there would be no meaning to the Vedic literature which consists of collections of transcendental words. Since the Vedic descriptions of the truth are to be taken as infallible, it is impossible to maintain that the power of speech is in all cases unable to describe the truth. After all, the Vedic mantras themselves are meant to be spoken and heard. Therefore, the injunction that neither the mind nor the speech, nor speech can approach the absolute truth, cannot be taken as explicable in all cases. Rather, it is a warning to those who foolishly try to encompass the absolute truth by their own puny speculative powers. Since the Vedic injunction, either positive or negative, are to be taken as realistic descriptions of the absolute truth, the process of hearing and repeating Vedic knowledge, Shravanam, Kirtan, and Vishnu, can be understood as a separate process in which one's hearing and speaking power becomes spiritualized by submissive reception of transcendental knowledge. This process depends upon one's faith in the bona fide spiritual master, who is a devotee of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, it is stated, Yasya Deve Parabhaktir Yata Deve Tata Gurao Dasyayite Kodita Hyarta Prakasam Se Mahatmana Only unto those great souls who have implicit faith in both the Lord and the spiritual master are all the imports of Vedic knowledge automatically revealed. Sweta Svatara Upanishad 6.23 as the Lord Himself states in Hari Vansa, Tat Paranga Paramang Brahma Saravanga Vivad Jate Jagat Mamae Vatat Hanan Tejo Gatum Arhasibharata. Translation The Supreme Truth Parabrahma expands itself into all the variegatedness of this universe. You should know it to be my own concentrated effulgence of heart. Unquote. The word Gatum Ahasi, you must know it, spoken by the Lord Himself, indicates that the Supreme Absolute Truth is to be known, but one must surrender to the truth rather than waste time in foolish speculation. Srila Vishwanatha Chakravarti Thakur has pointed out that according to authorized statements of Vedic literature, the Lord's transcendental form is understood to be Brahma Moya, or completely spiritual with no trace of material contamination. Therefore, such statements as Nilot Paladhalasyamam The Lord's form is beautifully manifest with the hue of dark blue lotus petals. It is understood that a transcendental dark blue color is being described. Still the Lord is inconceivably merciful to His devotees, even those on the neophyte platform who are trying to come to the state of love of Godhead. Therefore, the Lord gradually purifies the senses of a conditioned soul who is trying to understand Him. And even, and eventually, the Lord appears before such a rectified servitor. According to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, Prakrita Nilot Palavarat Tvena Bhaktaya Dhyatam 
Atadrisham Ati. In the beginning, being conditioned by previous materialistic activity, a devotee meditating on the Lord transcendental form may base his meditation on his experience of material forms and colors within this world. The Lord's transcendental form has nothing to do with material forms and colors. But since the object of this meditation is Krishna, such meditation will eventually be transformed into transcendental experience of the actual form, color, activities, pastimes, and entourage of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In other words, transcendental knowledge depends not on material logic, but on the pleasure of the Personality of Godhead. If the Lord is pleased by his devotees' sincere attempt to understand him, the Lord can immediately circumvent all the so-called technicalities of material logic and Vedic injunction and reveal himself to his pure devotees. Unless one accepts this omnipotency of the personality of Godhead, there is no hope of approaching the Absolute Truth. Therefore, it is stated in the Kutha Upanishad 1.3.12 Dishyate Tvagraya Buddha The Absolute Truth is seen by transcendental intelligence. Distant comment. One time uh, Prabhupada was, someone was saying, well, how can, I mean, how can we go to Krishna? We're so fallen. We're so distant. How can we go? And then Prabhupada said, if Krishna and Radha want to see you, who is going to stop? If right now President Regan wants to come and see the High Krishna Temple in Atlanta, who's going to stop? I want to inspect. If Radha and Krishna want to come and see their devotee, what power on heaven or earth can stop them? So, <clears throat> that faith the devotee has that ultimately the Lord is independent and can do whatever he likes. In continuation, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur has pointed out that knowledge acquired through the interaction of the material senses with the modes of nature is merely hypothetical and not sexual. Empirical knowledge, uh, excuse me, deals with our ephemeral experience of the sense objects generated by material nature. For example, there are many wars currently going on because of a false concept of nationalism. Similarly, there is conflict throughout the world and great world leaders fight like cats and dogs for the economic development of their country. Thus, material language is used to designate temporary objects perceived by the eyes, nose, tongue, touch, and taste. This type of language and experience is useless for approaching the absolute truth. But the transcendental sound from the spiritual sky has a completely different effect. We should not foolishly try to use materially concocted language to include the first Supreme Personality of Godhead is an object of the material world. The Supreme Personality of Godhead of the Supreme Lord is completely transcendental and is known as Atma Prakash or self-manifesting. Therefore, as stated in the Padma Purana, Atasti Krishna Namadi Navavetraya Indriyai Devan Mukhehe Jivadho Swayameva Swaratyadha Quote, 
Material senses cannot appreciate Krishna's holy name, fame, form, qualities, and pastimes. But when a conditioned soul is awakened to Krishna consciousness and renders service by using his tongue to chant the Lord's holy name and taste the remnants of the Lord's food, the tongue is purified and one gradually comes to understand who Krishna really is. Unquote. If one surrenders to the Supreme Lord taking shelter at his lotus feet, one's spiritualized senses gradually become empowered to perceive the Lord. Mere empirism empiricism and material logic have a limited jurisdiction within the external energy of the Supreme Lord and cannot apply to those things which are eternal. In this regard, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur has quoted the following verse of Srimad Bhagavatam, 7th uh, Canto. Naishang matistavadurukramangvim sprishatyanartha pagamo yadartha mahi asang padarajo vishekam Nishkin Charanan Navini Tada Yavat. Quote. Unless they smear upon their bodies the dust of the lotus feet of a Vaishnava, completely freed from material contamination, persons very much inclined toward materialistic life cannot be attached to the lotus feet of the Lord, who is glorified for his uncommon activity. Only by becoming Krishna conscious and taking shelter at the lotus feet of the Lord. In this way can one be freed from material contamination. Although Sri Pipalayana is expressing that the absolute truth cannot be approached by material senses, the sage himself is describing the absolute truth with transcendental senses. And King Mimi is able to understand this transcendental sound because he has surrendered at the lotus feet of pure devotees, the Nava Yogendras, or the Nine Yogendras. Therefore one should not foolishly try to understand this verse out of context in an impersonal way, but should follow the example of King Nimi, who is trying to understand how the first Supreme Personality God is ultimately the source of everything. Thus ends the purport by the humble servants of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, to the 11th canto, 3rd chapter, 36th verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam entitled, Liberation from the illusory energy. Shila Purupari ki Jai Acharya Dev ki Jai Shila Purvacharya Vrinda ki Jai So, these are Guru Tattva, heavy, heavy spiritual truth. You see it? Not only does it take a lot of milk to understand this, but it takes a lot of chanting, Hare Krishna, and serving. Actually, sometimes a person may want to learn more and more about Krishna and spiritual life, and that's natural, and that's good. You see, at the same time, one has to use some caution because we shouldn't, as it's mentioned here, that these words are beyond actually the material vibration. That to actually explain Krishna's transcendental sound. So, we should avoid the idea that just by some kind of material scholastic pursuit, just by reading a lot of books, we're going to understand everything. It's a combination of the mercy of the Guru 
the mercy of Krishna, which we can attract by serving very enthusiastically, by surrendering. As it mentions here in the very end, that uh, because uh, King Nimi was surrendered at the lotus feet of pure devotees, therefore he should understand. You see, so according to one's service, one is able to understand spiritual uh, subject matter. I use this example several times, and I don't mind using it again because I find it to be a, a very applicable analogy. When making an analogy, there should be a correspondence of one thing and the next. So in this regard, it's something like an appetite, you see. If you work hard, if you uh, are in good health, then you get a big appetite. You can eat a lot, you see. But then if you just go on eating and you don't work much, what happens is you, just try, you gradually don't eat, you just don't, you lose your appetite. Or if you're not, say, you're not healthy. So in the same way, spiritually, as much as we preach, as much as we serve, as much as we surrender to the order of the spiritual master, to Krishna, we develop an actual spiritual appetite or ability, not only desire to want to read or know more about Krishna, but ability to digest. Sometimes you see something really good and even you don't really have that much appetite to eat. <laughs> then what happens? You're indigestion. You can raise one leg but not both of them. So you get indigestion. And this happens even in spiritual life that sometimes the person wants to know more and more and the proportion of what they're reading compared to the service of surrender gets out of balance. And what happens is when they read something, they don't really realize it, you see. And, they, and then sometimes in a material way, they're trying to figure it all out, make it all fit, and as a result, something snaps, and they get bewildered. And they start to speculate what it means, because even though they're reading it, it's not actually snapping, it's not coming forward, what is the actual meaning. So these things are beyond actual scholastic pursuit. And even if someone hears and doesn't understand, well, that's all right. You see, just like maybe most of the things we read today, not everyone here could understand everything. By hearing, even one is purified. But the danger, you see, is that, of course, the devotee who's reading doesn't want to leave it there. And so trying to understand it, they start to speculate or they start to think. And especially dangerous if one starts to read other books and then doesn't understand what his own spiritual master has given and then starts to think, oh, this is something I hadn't read before. And then starts to think, well, I know more than others. And so, and then this way one becomes falsely proud and sometimes even can be misled. This is what happened when, uh, being in India, we always, we had suffered some, we suffered some casualties of different devotees over the years who came to India to know more and more about uh, Vaishnavism, and who never really methodically read all of Srila Prabhupada's books. Prabhupada given us almost a hundred books. And he recommended we read the Gita ten times, or at least three times, and preferably ten times before we go on to the Bhagavatam. I remember in the beginning he said read the first canto three times, like that, and then go on to the other canto. So we were doing that meticulously. I remember I read the Bhagavad Gita ten times, and then 
Bhagavata, the uh, Bhagavatam three times and then went on to the other cantos. And then the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So in this way, uh, one can actually read even uh, again and again. There's no harm. But some of these devotees, they wouldn't even have thoroughly read Srila Prabhupada's books or comprehended. <coughs> and then they were anxious to read other books. Sometimes Prabhupada would catch them and say, why are you reading that? And they say, well, this is a good book or something like that. And Prabhupada looked. And especially dangerous are the books which were translated after the departure of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur because they change a lot of things. Partly due to bad translation and partly because they're motivated. Because Srila Prabhupada went preaching all over the world and because uh, the whole emphasis on preaching in Iskand preserve the original teaching of Bhakti Siddhanta. If you see any teaching by Bhakti Siddhanta, I just recently translated a, a poem by Bhakti Siddhanta where you can see how much he stressed preaching as a very intimate personal service to, uh, just in the mood of uh, the gopi, you see. And how going off and trying to gain spiritual knowledge and so on is actually a type of cheating process if it's not done in the correct attitude. To go off and off from the devotees is a very dangerous thing. Even if it's under the apparent reason of becoming more renounced or more learned or more uh, fixed up in some kind of bhajan or worship. But if you read the books that were translated recently in the past, say, 30 years after Bhakti Siddhanta has left the world, you find that they shift away from preaching because subsequently they stop preaching to a large degree, so to put the pressure off them, they tone down all these things by Bhakti Siddhanta in different ways, which, of course, how could anyone know? Because without knowing and seeing the originals that were printed before, uh, once they're translated, no one can know, and that doesn't know they have an original copy, and they don't know that original language, they would know. And he gave a few books that if he wanted to, we could read, although most of them are in Bengali. He didn't like the present-day translation, so you have to be careful. I'm trying, I've been asked by the GBC to translate some of them and one by one we'll be working on them. Prabhupada told us that actually to become Krishna conscious, to become God-realized, there's enough in his books as they are. You see, what we're doing here, we're finishing the Bhagavatam. Even without this Bhagavatam, it's not that there wasn't enough to become fully, fully Krishna conscious. But, since Prabhupada wanted the complete Bhagavatam for the disciples, as he wants also that other transcendental literatures can be provided, you see, so we're going on. Not any kind of competition to Srila Prabhupada, but this is just a carrying out his order to increase the uh, availability of transcendental literature. But when it's presented by pure Vaishnavas like Srila Chaitanya is presenting these Bhagavatams uh, exactly in the footsteps of Srila Prabhupada, then it's imbibed with a special spiritual strength. Well, you won't find that when it's not presented in that way. But here, even to understand this, you can understand how one actually has to be very Krishna conscious to be able to to uh, focus on such very fine philosophical points. You see. And it's not the subject matter that even ordinary people can understand. It's something, however, that even uh, a simple devotee could understand with the uh, with enough service under his belt. 
giving him a spiritual appetite. But even if one doesn't understand, still the basic principle of surrender and service is the most important. Just like, for instance, in the, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. You know how in the Bhagavatam, beginning it gives the Shikshashtakam or the eight mantras that Lord Chaitanya compra, composed, telling about the whole purpose of spiritual life. So when these eight mantras were described in the fifth volume, Antya Lila, of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, you see, which were never described before, in such detail, they are just translated. When they were described there, the meaning of that is so profound. And then when Krishna Das Kaviraj expands that and goes into what is the significance in terms of intimate pastimes. You see, like sometimes a devotee may think that, well, the pastimes of Krishna and Vrindavan, they may have something to do with material life, or it might be something. Just try to, as it says here, it's all beyond words, so it's beyond material understanding. They might try to consider that something there might be something like the material world. Well, like, it's in a form, you see, superficially, but in a substance, there's actually no similarity at all. It's actually the complete opposite. That's described in the Chaitanya Charitamrita Antya Lila, the way when Lord Chaitanya is crying that every moment is like uh, 12 years or like an age, that uh, tears are pouring from my eyes, and then he goes into the, that you can embrace me or you can step on me, you can cast me away, you can do with me whatever you want. Of course, you're a transcendental uh, playboy, you see, you do whatever you like, but nonetheless, you are my eternal master and I never uh, want to serve anyone else but you. And then it goes into the whole explanation how Srimati uh, Radharani is related with Krishna, which is such an esoteric thing. We can hardly discuss this even in public. It's a very, very, uh, uh, not very, but it's the most uh, confidential subject matter. And Prabhupada has presented that for us, you see, so that we can continue reading the Bhagavatam, reading the Chaitanya Charitam, we can also understand these things, but it's not that just someone jumps to and reads the thing and tries to memorize it, I and mean, you're going to understand. You're going to understand it actually through service, through surrender. The mood of the gopis, which is of course, the topmost mood is symbolized by Srimati Radharani, where she describes how her only purpose is to please Krishna and no other purpose. That if Krishna is pleased with another devotee more than her, she's willing to go to the house of the other devotee and bring the other devotee to Krishna. You see, there's no personal that in the material world everyone is thinking how they'll be happy. But in the spiritual world everyone's thinking how Krishna will be happy. And of course, there's so many varieties and flavors of making Krishna happy. And it's not that Krishna is only happy in one way. So he has uh, so many varieties and intrigues and different things going on in all these uh, intimate loving affairs. But how the ultimate issue that everyone is completely selfless, especially the more one becomes advanced, they become more and more Krishna-centered. They're all Krishna-centered, but they become completely more and more intensely Selfless, 
in terms of pleasing Krishna. This whole subject matter is so high that practically speaking, well, we have to read the Bhagavatam and the whole Chaitanya Charya and read even this to get a little handle on it. And so this is the 11th canto. This is already after the 10th canto. So the same type of subject matter has already been mentioned. Now we're getting, this is like review. 11th and 12th canto are like review. <clears throat> Going back and covering over the basic points. All right. This was the presentation of the whole absolute truth. Now we're discussing who is the devotee, what is the process of understanding. So this is, verse is telling us that this understanding is not a material thing. It's not that just by material words you're going to understand the absolute truth. But by these spiritual words, which are imbibed, which are received by a proper recipient, someone who's surrendering, who's serving, who's practicing bhakti yoga, these words become alive and they have real meaning to that person and then they're able to get a, a, uh, an understanding of the, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead Sri Krishna and his paraphernalia, form, qualities, pastimes. As I mentioned yesterday, even we describe Krishna as blue. As I hear today, the color of a blue lotus. But it's not actually that Krishna is any material color. We have no experience. What is spiritual color? Just like uh, sometimes they have these 3D movies. You go and you put a little glasses on, right? You ever seen a 3D movie? What's, it, what's your name again? Chandi? You ever seen a 3D movie? Never seen one. They have one now in Orlando. They, Ajit took me. I think we could present Krishna consciousness, you know, with 3D movie. It'd be very amazing. They just showed a bunch of horses and kids running around. But what happened is that they they had some kids playing kite on the beach, and then you had to put these little glasses on. Without the glasses, everything was blurred. But somehow there was some technique where you put the glasses on, and the kids were taking the kite. And they were letting the kite out and out, and it came right out of the screen. And it came right into the people. I mean, that's what the visual was. And you could see all the people going like this, trying to grab it. It appeared as if it was right there, by some, uh, some, you know, their scientific mystic power. <laughs> so, just like that, the 3D experience, that uh, in the same way, the spiritual world is fourth dimension. We can't understand with our three-dimensional intelligence mind what is color in the fourth dimension, what is form in the fourth dimension, what is quality in the fourth dimension, you see. It's beyond our ability to even speculate on it. So it's a whole different experience, but we got to say that there is in the fourth dimension a blue color, you see, of different shades. But what is the experience of seeing spiritual blue? You see, which is alive. You see, because everything in the fourth dimension is alive. Here in the third dimension, there's death. It's all dead matter. But everything in the fourth dimension is vibrant, living. You see, which we don't have experience of everything being living spiritual energy, and yet having quality, form, activity, and so on. So, but just to give us a, a direction. You see, this is the description of Krishna's blue, and he has these activities. Of course, the activities are 
real activities and they're historical, but a non-devotee will interpret those activities in one way, will understand, will get a certain experience from hearing the activity. And a devotee will get another experience. Sometimes you hear non-devotees criticize why Krishna feels better. What is it? The God is a thief? It is just stupid. You see, that for they don't understand how when Krishna steals butter from his devotees, that he's a little boy and he goes to their house, that they like the attention. That this is a whole playful uh, pastime, game, which is going on between liberated souls who have taken the position as, uh, as devotees of Krishna there in Vrindavan, and Krishna is going around and playing in their house and playing with their children and taking, and this way, they're having all these different pastimes that they're getting unlimited spiritual happiness from this. You see, it's like setting the stage. So an ordinary materialist who doesn't know the position of Krishna, how can he understand these things? Therefore, first we're given the universal form. Understand the universal form. Then understand how the universe is created. Understand the, the impersonal form, the form of Brahman, the form of Paramatma, the super soul, the Buddhism personality of Godhead, when you finally understand the form or the position of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, so exalted, and then when you come back and realize that he has such an intimate, personal, playful, uh, loving pastime and the ultimate uh, reality, then it usually takes a proper perspective. If you just jump in and say, well, Krishna is uh, doing this and that, it can become sentimentalist. You can become uh, almost material. <coughs> in one's understanding. You see, one has to go through this basic stage in material life, the basic respect of actually how exalted Krishna is, and then you can appreciate how wonderful that he has actually accepted the position uh, to be someone's uh, chariot driver like Arjuna, <coughs> to drive his chariot, unless you know who Krishna is, you see. If you just think Krishna is nothing special, well then what's the big deal? Somebody drove his chariot. So many taxi drivers in Atlanta, right? <clears throat> but if if you think that, you know, Governor Wallace, I don't know who's the governor here, um, wherever the governor is, you know, doing some kind of a menial service for the people, everybody make a big thing of it. Well, he's a big shot. He doesn't have to do that. He can sit and say he's doing something which is down to earth so people they can appreciate this is not that he's forced to do it. He's doing it because of some higher interest or something like that. So in the same way, when you understand how Krishna is completely independent and doesn't have to do anything, that everything is under his control, and still, out of his own free will, he gives mercy to his devotees. In fact, even he does sometimes special little services or uh, acts in uh, such a loving way. Even if a demon comes to kill him, he gives the demon liberation. All right. Or even like Mother, the Putana, the witch, came to feed poison to Krishna. He delivered it. So all these things, when we know who Krishna is, then they take on a greater significance. And the only way we can know Krishna, he described, Bhakta Mama only my devotees can understand. We have to become fixed in bhakti, in devotional service, become the devotee of Krishna by serving his devotees, and we can easily understand him. As is mentioned here in the purport, Yasya Deve Parabhaktir Yata Deve Tatagurao, Sasyayate Kotita Hyarta Prakashante Mahatmana. By having uh, 
Yeah, I'll just read the quotation. Only unto those great souls who have implicit faith in both the Lord and the spiritual master are all the imports of Vedic knowledge automatically revealed. Sveta Svatar Upanishad 623. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Yes. situation he finds but still aspiring to reach Krishna or just aspiring to stay in the material world. So those kind of hellish conditions, sometimes they actually become very detached in a, in a strange way from the material world. Although they're forced to live a grossest type of material existence, but they develop a type of objectivity which is often uh, lacking in, in uh, even other persons you see, who don't live that type of a thing, because that type of existence. So it's possible even for them to have that type of outlook of aspiring to reach Krishna. And they regret their situation. 